Of course, this gives me another opportunity to make a pitch for one of the greatest saints of all time, St. Vincent de Paul. And it would be Vincent de Paul, whose quote was, we can do nothing greater for the church than the making of good priests. Bishop and Vickers, this is Bishop Tom Daly from the Diocese of Spokane here in Eastern Washington. And joining me without the Vickers, the Vickers are going around polling uh, various constituencies as to how this Bicker, Bishop and Vickers radio show is doing. We have Father Me is in Keokuk, Iowa. Father Pat Kirst is in Manchester, New Hampshire. And Father Connell's in Ashley, Alabama. I don't know why those cities were chosen. I have a feeling they're on vacation. Substituting as a hardworking priest of the diocese, Father Kyle Retriste. Father is the parochial vicar at the Cathedral of Our Lady of Lords, and most recently I have appointed him vocation director of the diocese. Father, welcome, and uh, tell Thank us a little you, about your responsibilities and who else shares this work with you, and specifically what are you doing? Certainly. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, uh, among the many hats I seem to have, the most recent one being the director of vocations for the diocese, is um, so. Some of you may know that um, Father Barnett was uh, has had this p position as director of vocations for the diocese, in addition to being the rector of Bishop White Seminary and what we call the director of seminarians. And so, because of the success taking place at Bishop White, is truly a full house this year. And who knows, we may have to actually rent out space for more seminarians in the future. Uh, that Father Barnett um, is going to be taking a full. Uh, focus primarily on being the rector of the seminary. In the meantime, I'm taking on this role of director of vocations, and Father Matthew Nix down in Walla Walla is taking on the role of director of seminarians. Uh, briefly, Father Nix's role is to work with seminarians who are beyond college. So we have two theologians studying down in St. Patrick's Seminary in California. They're Andy Kelly and Nicholas Castoldi. And so Father Nix is taking in special care and taking care of them. For me, uh, I am here, kind of keeping the home fires going, I guess, as it were, and helping pro promote, first, a general culture of vocations in the Diocese of Spokane. And that means, I think, practically helping create an environment in which young people are comfortable and are encouraged to ask perhaps the most important question in their life, which is, God, who do you want me to be? What is the vocation you have in store for me in life? And specifically, um, bishops asked me to take a special role in promoting vocations to the priesthood in particular. So to encourage young men to consider seminary to help them along that process. Father is very familiar with the project himself. Uh, he and David Cruz were the first two men I ordained when I became the bishop in uh, May of, of 2015. As a former vocation myself at, Saint, uh, at uh, the Archdiocese of San Francisco, I spent nine years as vocation director. And when we talk about a culture of vocations, uh, where do you think that first begins outside, of course, prayer? Sure. Yeah. Um, I would say ideally it starts in the family. I know for my for myself, I was very much, and I, I still am very much indebted to my parents for the faith that they instilled in me as a young as a young child, and also the encouragement they gave me in being open to the notion of being a priest. And, yes. Where are you from? Uh, oh. I, mean, I, I mean, I know, but right. listening sure, audience yes. may not. Father, tell, give a little bit of your background. Sure, thank you. And so I grew up uh, in the Tri Cities. I was. Um, 
essentially raised in Pasco, Washington, went to Catholic school growing up there. So St. Patrick's grade school, middle school, uh, graduated from Tri-Cities Prep, which is the Catholic high school in Pasco, and eventually made my way up to Spokane um, for school at Gonzaga. And you entered uh, the seminary not right out of high school. That, that, you were right, a lay true. student, as we mm -hmm. say, at the university. That's right. And it was interesting because, again, with that vocational sense, I, I had the idea that I had a sense that God was calling me to serve people, but it was just a question like how exactly was that? And so by the time I was leaving for college, graduated from high school, I was torn between medicine and the priesthood. Uh, so it just so happened that the way things turned out, I ended up going to Gonzaga studying biochemistry on the pre-med track. And that was that for two years as a normal lay student. Um, during my sophomore year, that was the big soul-searching year. By the end of it, I had uh, applied for seminary, was accepted, and then moved moved into Bishop White the start of that summer. And then following Bishop White, uh, your graduation from Gonzaga University, you did your theology at? At Catholic University of America, Washington, D.C. And theological college. Mm -hmm. Just uh, for a listening audience, uh, when Father speaks about the importance of family, uh, in the years that I was vocation rector, uh, the late now Cardinal Aveda, uh, when he was Archbishop of San Francisco, appointed me vocation director, and then I continued in that role under Archbishop Niederauer until actually I became an auxiliary bishop. But it was very important, I think, for, as Father said, the family being so central to vocations. When in a family we learn um, the importance of, of a community, a family working together, may not always uh, liking one another, but certainly loving one another, the importance of prayer and sacrifice, and some of the qualities uh, I look for as a bishop when a young man is approaching to be uh, a potential priest, a seminarian, does he have uh, the quality, which is one of, of love and sacrifice, those qualities, could he be seen as a credible husband and father? And all that a husband and father from my experience, from my own family, learning, looking to my own father, my brothers, is the ability to protect and to provide for his family. Um, I'm sure, uh, Father, that you have continued this, uh, this desire for um, the men to have these qualities, mm -hmm. the ones that may be approaching you, for, at least for initial conversation. Mm -hmm. well, tell me a little right. bit about how a young man who might be discerning a vocation, might have the stirrings of it, contacts you. What then would be the next steps? How does that go about? Sure. Right. And so... If a young man in the diocese reaches out to, to me, to the Office of Vocations, to trying to sort things through first, I, I'll be, I think the first attitude is one of hospitality, right? Just welcoming that man. And uh, because, let's face it, it's in a culture of, that's marked by you know, instant, instantaneous gratification and, and really selfishness to even consider these bigger questions, these loftier goals, and and sacrifice—that is a huge thing. And so, I would I would say, uh, what this man could expect is at least some initial correspondence, uh, uh, whether by email or or by phone. I think ideally, if he's you know, in, if he lives in Spokane, it'd be wonderful to have a good um, sit down, face to face conversation, just to see where he is, and, and really to help surface those questions. You know, and I think one big thing that I noticed is that sometimes a lot of people try to struggle to make to make observations about their spiritual life and also arrive at determinations or judgments about that right try to evaluate is this good or is this bad um, and I think people can be so tripped up in that and that okay so I, my, I think my initial goal is just to help people be honest right and just say okay to honestly and as objectively as possible appraise 
okay, this is what I've experienced. This is this is what's been stirring in my heart. I don't know if this is good or bad or right or wrong, but this is what it is. Okay, let's work with that. And so have that initial honesty is so important. One of the things I have found that uh, with the use of the internet that people concern uh, via the internet. They take mm -hmm. a series of tests, they read some uh, blogs, and they decide whether or not they have a call to priesthood. As Father mentioned, ideally, in fact, it's not ideal, it's, it would be mandated at some point in this discernment process, a candidate, a young man, would sit and have a conversation with the vocation director, who would then follow up. Um, there'd be information given to me as the bishop, but you cannot discern a priestly or a religious vocation without actually speaking to someone who has already answered that call, that life. And um, that is kind of what I've seen is maybe a particular challenge in the last uh, 10 years that discernment and sometimes priestly formation, individuals believe it can only be done internet without the actual contact. I know you're new to this job, Father, but how, um, uh, have you seen this at all in your conversations with the vocation directors? What are, what are these challenges now that are, we're facing in addition to that? Sure. I mean, I, I think you're right, Bishop, as far as like the, um, the the isolation that the Internet can bring about, right? The sense that, which kind of feeds into to this narrative of self-sufficiency and really the sense of control, right? Um, which can be so inimical or counterproductive to any notion of actual vocation or even of dependence on God, right? And it's so kind of there's a subtle bit of pride coming in. Um, so, I mean, I've only kind of been on the job for a few months now. I would still say, though, it's been pretty exciting to have some, to already have a, some good conversations with with young men to kind of continue and build up these these relationships, right? And that's another thing. So I, for those men who are interested, right, it's not as if you know we do a consultation and then I, I you know give them a number and then we'll you know we'll check back in such such a time, right? But hopefully have a more um, I think like as a cordial or, or natural you know, give and take in, in relationship, just you know, checking up on these guys, like you know, guys going through school, seeing how midterms are going and the like. Uh, but another thing is that uh, some people may think that they should go to the off, uh, director of vocations and bypass their pastor entirely, mm -hmm. which I think is, 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 is that's, yeah, that's not right. Uh, because in many ways, the pastors, the priests, the local parish priest is the primary, you know, vocation director on site, as it were. That's and right. so hopefully um, our men are fairly able to foster a, a life-giving uh, relationship with their with their parish priests, the priests who could truly be seen as spiritual father and spiritual mentor. It's so essential as we talk about the role of family, that the family uh, be uh, open to wherever God may be leading their children, that the family be a source of not only prayer and support, but maybe even encouragement. But that doesn't mean that the family pushes a vocation, mm -hmm. because as we know with our Lord, he always proposed, he never imposed. The priestly vocation, the religious vocation, is an invitation for a young person to follow the Lord more deeply. Uh, the listening audience probably might know the definition. Uh, seminary comes from a Latin word for seedbed, and we all know that not all seeds germinate. So a seminary is a place of... of um, testing one's vocation. I sit on the board of St. Patrick's Seminary in Menlo Park, where his father said we have two of our seminarians in theology now. And my classmate, Father Dan Donahoe, is the rector. And his experience as a spiritual director and also a pastor, we were at a board meeting recently. He said, you know, first and foremost, I am a pastor. And the pastor does have, or associate pastor, a very important role of helping uh, guide a young person to 
discover what their calling is. In this case, we're talking about diocesan priesthood. Uh, have you met with any challenges in this brief time? <laughs> you have, uh, you've been vocation director. Mm. Any challenges, right? Um, I think I maybe maybe not so much challenge, but truly I would say there's an invitation, right? An invitation from the Lord to truly you know, expand my heart even further, right? And I think for me this is kind of a new um, a new frontier, I suppose, in the, in the charism of celibacy, right, and spiritual fatherhood, mm-hmm. uh, of knowing that yes, I, you know, as even before I was director of vocations, that I there was a sense I need to go out and, and to reach out to these people, and, and I think that. The weight of the responsibility is even more apparent for me, uh, and so I think that that for me as a as someone who by disposition is a quiet introvert who likes to please people and make peace, right, to actually go out there and and you know maybe stir some things up, right, for the sake of calling people's minds to the their call in life, their call from God. Um, that's yeah, that's probably for me is, is a personal. Mm-hmm. challenge i think that I bring to the lord he's and our lord has been very gracious i was uh, recently at carroll college and the priest uh, father mark leneman is is the chaplain director of campus ministry there and he spoke about uh, bishop morlino who when he uh was discerning himself priesthood um teaching and coaching uh, at his alma mater i think Bill, uh, central catholic and billings it was the invitation to uh, a group of young men by the bishop that really kind of stirred him to respond finally to what he had felt uh, a stirring, uh, a kind of a, a discovery of a call. And that, my time as a vocation director is you never want to be seen as the used car salesman, but rather you're someone who helps kind of people put together, um, maybe connect the dots where God might be leading them. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to continue discussion with Father Retriski about the, the role of vocations, again, the family, the parish, and how might we in eastern Washington do all we can so that our church would have the shepherds, uh, God willing, that we need. Welcome back. I'm Bishop Tom Daly, and on our show today, without the vicars, is uh, Father Retriste, who is the parochial vicar at our cathedral. He's also uh, the bishop's delegate, or liaison with uh, Catholic Healthcare. And uh, I asked him to assist in the vocation endeavor in our diocese. The father is the vocation director. He works with Father Barnett, who is the rector of Bishop White Seminary. We're very proud and very grateful to God that 23 men are at Bishop White from eight dioceses, including two from our own. And also Father Matthew Nix, the pastor of the parishes in Walla Walla, who is the director of essentially seminarians who are theologians, and we have our men at St. Patrick's. For our listening audience, we've been talking about kind of the, some of the challenges, but most especially the role that families pray, uh, play in vocations uh, to religious life and to diocesan priesthood. And I might ask Father to talk a little bit more about suggestions, practical suggestions that our listening audience uh, might help with. Now, again, for those families uh, who still have children at home or maybe grandparents, you have your grandchildren, you have a chance to talk to them. It is so important, though, that we see that all of us have a role in playing uh, a significant role, in fact, in guiding young people as to know what God has, has called them to be with their life, challenge them. So, Father, mm-hmm. what, what might you uh, give to our audience as far as uh, help? Sure, sure. And, and as a, a bit of a preface, actually, I think it's very 
good that we're speaking about the role and importance of families for vocations, especially this time of year. Uh, I don't know if, if the listening audience knows this, but every first full week of November in the United States is National Vocation Awareness Week, right? And for this year and for 2019, the emphasis for National Vocation Awareness Week is the role and importance of, fa- of families as foundations for uh, for vocations, right? So yeah, what does that look like practically? Um, as I mentioned before the break, uh, you know, I know for myself personally, I was I received the, the gift of faith. I learned how to pray, have that personal relationship with Christ in the context of family. And how, what, what did that look like? It looked like um, daily prayers at, at the close of the day, uh, rosaries uh, during car tri- long car trips, um, eating together as a family, uh, participating in uh, prayer groups that my parents would go to, right? So kind of being along for that and, and being immersed in that environment, I think is, is a good... Um, foundation to build upon, right? I know that uh, Father Connell asked me, we've spoken as a diocese, how do we gather people together in prayer, especially Mm -hmm. in Eucharistic adoration? And I know, I think, is it going to be early November? I'm not able to be there because of the bishop's conference, Mm -hmm. but is there true we're going to have a holy hour or a rosary, perhaps at the cathedral? Is that... That um, is true, yes. I believe it's going to be uh, the second... So November 8th, I believe that is the time. Um, I'm, unfortunately, I myself will not be available to be there, but Father Connell is very excited to be leading this Holy Hour, which was actually um, organized uh, with some of the encouragement from a, a local men's group. We have a men's, one of our men's groups at the cathedrals. Um, these, these dads, these fathers have really had on their hearts that they want to put their families, especially their children, before our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament, which I think is fantastic. Um, and so that will be taking place. When they do the interviews with men nationally before they're ordained to the priesthood, there's some common elements that they will speak about. Many of the times they talk about they have served Mass, uh, the role of adoration, Eucharistic adoration, the rosary. Significantly, Catholic schools are playing uh, a very important role um, in vocation, uh, encouragement, discernment. We don't have the sisters in the school as we once did, and they played a very important role. But as we are doing here in our diocese, we're trying to have the cathedral as the center of this. But I would hope that in the various counties of our diocese that there would be opportunities for our lay people, our families to gather together in prayer, uh, to ask the Lord to bless these families, to strengthen moms and dads, and also to uh, plant the seeds of priestly and religious vocations. I remember a few years back I was working in Lourdes and there was um, a Frenchman and he had I think four or five children and he said, asked me uh, how things were doing in my new diocese and he said, Bishop, please, um, we must pray for holy families first and out of holy families we will um, we will have the priestly and religious vocations. And I think that's a very important point. Now, holy families very clearly does not mean perfect families, but families trying to live the gospel. And that is so important today at a time when many people just perhaps choose uh, recreation over uh, spirituality. I've spoken about the sixth decade of the rosary. That is significant for uh, St. Bernadette. She would pray uh, that sixth decade, and oftentimes the statue of Mary, when you are in Lourdes, has a sixth decade that is specifically asking our Blessed Mother's intercession, very powerful intercession for vocations. What might other um, 
avenues of prayer. I know your mom and dad are very mm-hmm. active in the Sarah Club. Right, Maybe a little yes. bit about who the Sarah Club is. And Sure, yes. Uh, um, so the Sarah Club, um, spelled S-E-R-R-A, um, Sarah, not to be confused with Sierra Club. So the Sarah Club is actually um, named in, in the patron of the club is St. Hinipro Sarah, one of the famous uh, Franciscan missionaries down in California. Um, Franciscan, I might add. What, did, did I say Franciscan? or No, you, I thought you said Stigmatine Father. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, 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 I'll, I'll stand corrected then, Bishop. Right. Um, and so, and so the Sarah Club. It actually started. The first club actually started in Seattle, uh, and is now an international lay uh, apostolate that, in which committed lay faithful uh, are devote themselves to growing their and their own personal call to holiness, the universal call to holiness, and in a special way praying for and affirming vocations, especially to the priesthood and to the religious life, um, and the. And the diocese, we have the Sarah Club of Spokane, uh, and also the Sarah Club of the Tri Cities, which is interesting, as it kind of because it serves both the Spokane and the Yakima dioceses. Uh, I know, and and my my parents have been involved ever since. Uh, I think within a year of me joining seminary, they became very involved with the Sarah mm-hmm. Club down in the Tri Cities where they live, um, and. I actually, to this air, have some pretty significant leadership roles with that. So it gives them a good excuse to come up to Spokane and have and a see their uh, favorite son. I um, am the uh, the been, fortunately been asked to serve as the bishop's liaison with the Sarah Club, which mm-hmm. is a great privilege. I had worked with the Sarah Club in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, and I found them to be outstanding uh, men and women of great prayer who really have deep in their hearts a desire that uh, the church would grow in holiness and that the church would always have shepherds for uh, the care of the souls and also the contributions of religious uh, women and men. In my experience has been the Sarah Club uh, maybe smaller in numbers, but uh, the fervor remains. And I would hope that again, our listening audience, if you have any questions about how you might help um, encourage vocations, perhaps your own children are grown, they're out of the house, they have their own uh, children themselves, but you might be uh, given an opportunity, if you can, to join the Sarah Club, help uh, the leadership, uh, lay leadership, uh, which is so important, a desire to, to help the church at a time we know when the church needs ongoing renewal and, and conversion. We have the uh, Quavadas Days and also Vakari, Vakari for young women. Uh, uh, we have the again, uh, Quavadas in June. Mike, you might tell us a little bit about that. Again, it's many months away, but sure. just so that our audience can understand that. Mm-hmm. Right. So the so Quovadis Days and the Vocari events, as Bishop described, these are annual discernment events for high school aged youth. Uh, for Quovadis Days, coming from the Latin from the Latin Quovadis, um, uh, where are you going? And asking, you know, ask, helping these young men ask this question: Where are you going? Vocari, coming from the Latin to call, inviting these women to consider where God is calling them, and. And in a sense, it's kind of like a combination between a camp and a retreat. Uh, I think the, for the men, we're out, out in, in cabins in the woods, so it's definitely probably more on the camp side of the spectrum. Uh, the women, they are based out of Immaculate Heart Retreat Center, maybe more, more of a retreat bent to it, but also interestingly are able to visit many of the sites of the apostolates and um, 
ministry is run by the local religious sisters here in Spokane. Uh, so I think a very good opportunity for, for high school aged youth to just learn more, right? It's not like we're going to force people to sign on the dotted line to join seminary or join the convent or whatever. It's just a way for them to actually meet priests or meet religious sisters, right? Um, because you know, if, if we see a, like a young man trying to get married, right, and he's not going on any dates, right, well, well, you should start going on a date, right? And so if you have people asking questions about priesthood, religious life, yeah, talk to a priest, talk to a religious sister, get to know what their life is like. In your life, um, and we're all called to uh, sanctity, uh, was there a certain saint that inspired you uh, in your discernment um, uh, or... Um, Anything like that, or were you uh, hoping to be part of Bishop Bailey and companions oh, if we were all yeah. martyred? Uh, what, what do you, Father? What would you say? Well, I mean, even be, I mean, let's see. As far as the inspiration question, right? I actually make it even more immediate. I just mm -hmm. just point out and and um, that one of the pre one of the priests who really inspired me initially. His name is Father Rory Pitstick. He's actually a priest of the diocese. I'm so blessed to be a brother priest with him in in this in this diocese. And um, and I think it was through his witness that I was first inspired to to the priesthood and learned about the whole concept of vocation. And and one of his things was actually sharing the lives of the saints, talking to students, talk, giving them prayer cards. And I think some of the initial saints that jumped out at me, priestly saints, we St. John Bosco and St. Maximilian Colby. Mm -hmm. um, later on in life, uh, being attracted to uh, St. Damien de Molokai, the, the missionary out in Hawaii who died of leprosy after tending to the lepers. Um, and also, fascinatingly, um, uh, Blessed Solanus Casey. It's, it's very uh, interesting. The great Capuchin, who's related to yes. our families, the Casey families here in Spokane. Mm -hmm. And we have some Casey's in Walla Walla as well. Hmm. Yeah. Now, you, I thought you had a devotion to St. Polycarp. Not quite. Okay, yeah. that must be Father Kirst. I think Polycarp, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, it was his confirmation. And of course, this gives me another opportunity to make a pitch for one of the greatest saints of all time, St. Vincent de Paul. And it would be Vincent de Paul, whose quote was, we can do nothing greater for the church than the making of good priests. Mm. Notice he didn't say great priests. That was because the typical humility of Vincent de Paul, not found in certain other saints or orders. And... Um, Vincent was part of a renewal of the church. And as I mentioned earlier in our program, this church, our church, Christ Church, is in need of greater holiness, renewal, and conversion. And we do that through humility, through trust in God, asking for Mary's intercession, and a commitment to the truth. For Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I would ask that to our families, if you know, please know how much we pray for you uh, each night. Uh, and in the morning, as we pray for your families to go stronger. I know from my own family, my brothers and sisters and their children, uh, there are many sacrifices that are made. And of course, the Lord knows that. Uh, but in that desire for your family to grow closer, please also know that it's so essential that Jesus Christ be the center of your life. And we ask our Blessed Mother and the Saints' intercession. This local church of Eastern Washington is in need of priests good shepherds after Christ's own heart, but we're also very much in need of dedicated religious, especially the contribution of religious women that have been so great. Please pray for us as I will pray for you, and together we will conclude with uh, the Hail Mary asking our Blessed Mother's intercession. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. John Vianney, pray for us, live Jesus in our hearts forever. Thank you.